We're talking about peace. Let there be peace on earth. You know, peace on earth, little, little excerpts that we all see in our Christmas cards, as I mentioned earlier. And I want to take you, first of all, as we just kind of introduce this whole subject to you, to the passage from the Bible that most of those Christmas cards, I think at least, are taken from uh, the one passage of the Christmas story in the Bible. And it comes from Luke chapter 2. Just kind of follow along with me here. That night, some shepherds were in the fields outside the village, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terribly frightened, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news of great joy for everyone. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born tonight in Bethlehem, the city of David. And this is how you will recognize him. You will find the baby lying in a manger wrapped snugly in strips of cloth. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God. Glory to God in the highest. Here it is. And peace on earth to all whom God favors. Peace on earth. We hear a lot about that. Heard a lot about that in the campaign we just came through, the political campaign. We'll hear a lot about that in the next two or three weeks. And you always hear a lot of addresses, both from clergy type and from politico type, of praying for peace and peace on earth and world peace and so forth and so on. I'll give you a couple of thoughts, a couple of quotes. Spinoza, not a philosopher that I, that I believe everything he said, but he said some very thoughtful things. This is one of them. Peace is not an absence of war. It is a virtue, a state of mind, a, a disposition for benevolence, confidence, and justice. Peace is not an absence of war. It's a state of mind. Um, Thomas Kempis put it this way, First, keep the peace within yourself. Then you can also bring peace to others. That's pretty good. First, keep the, keep the peace within yourself. Then you can also bring peace to others. We're going to kind of elucidate upon that in a moment. But here's what I want to do now. I'm going to give you five basic thoughts about basically what you have to know, what you need to know about peace, right? Five basic thoughts, five statements of thought for you to kind of just sort of mull around in your mind and your heart and just kind of think about it a little bit, all right? And the first one is a very simple one. I'll say it very clearly, and then I'll just talk about it for a moment. But that is this. The first thought is this. World peace is a pipe dream, okay? World peace, I, I mean, you know, I hate to tell you that, but world peace is a pipe dream. Um, why peace, you know, two questions I want to ask. The first one is this. Why peace is talked about so much during the holidays? It is. World peace is talked about so much during the holidays. Why is that? You can think about that. I don't know that I have the answer. Another question that I would ask is this. How can world peace be an illusion or be a pipe dream? How can world peace be an illusion when it's talked about repeatedly in some of the country's most, at some of the country's most visible occasions? Definitely world peace. That's easy. World peace. World peace. What is the one most important thing our society needs? That would be harsher punishment for parole violators, Stan. (laughs) 
and world peace. Uh. <laughs> it comes from uh, the movie Miss Congeniality. Speaking of which, by the way, we have our own, did you know that? We have our own Miss New Jersey who was voted Miss Congeniality of the Miss America pageant right here at Renaissance Church. I don't know if you knew that or not. We do. We really do. Um, I'm not sure if I can point her out to you, but her, her, her daughter-in-law and her, her grandsons and kids could point to her from where they're sitting. I have no control over that. Um, okay, anyway, there she is. All right. So um, anyway, there we go. Our own Miss Congeniality. No kidding. No kidding. That's true. 1960, I think. And um, she'll love me for that. Anyway, uh, uh, <laughs> um, world peace is a pipe dream, folks. And I want to show, show you what Jesus said about this, because this is really meaty, I think, for lack of a better term. Now, let me show you what Jesus said in the Gospels. And it, it comes from the, it comes from, uh, the Gospel of, um, of uh, Mark. Let me show you that. Do I have it up here for you? Yeah. Mark said, watch out. Excuse me. Jesus said, this is Mark. Jesus said, watch out for doomsday deceivers. Many leaders are going to show up with forged identities claiming I am Christ the Messiah. They will deceive a lot of people. When reports come in of wars and rumored wars, keep your head and don't panic. This, this is Jesus, this is routine history. There is no sign. That's no sign of the end. Nation will fight nation, ruler fight ruler over and over. Famines and earthquakes will appear in various places. Those are the words of Jesus during his time. And he's saying there's war, there's going to be war, and there's going to be rumors of war throughout history. And I don't think you have to be a very astute student of history to know there have always been wars, certainly rumors of wars, and there will always be. You know, one of the things that I've learned, I don't know if you know this, I, I, I'm in the UN once a month with another friend, and we do a little, a little prayer group type thing with some of the ambassadors from all over the world, obviously. And, um, and I was just there two weeks ago, and one of the things that I learn, and I learn every month when I'm in there, there are wars in places I didn't even know existed, and uh, in, in countries and so forth, new countries that are formed particularly in in some of your uh, African countries and, and some of your Far Eastern countries, countries that I could mention, maybe you've heard of them, Eritrea, some of them, things like that, that you just, you, you just don't even know exist if you don't follow that kind of thing. There are wars. There's a lot of wars all over. Okay? And, uh, and Jesus said that way back, way back during his, during his ministry. Now, that's a statement of truth, just for the record. That is not a sign or an encouragement to give up. And to not strive for it. So don't use that verse to say, well, see, we can't do anything about war. It's always going to be with us. No, we should still strive to eliminate war. We should still try, strive to do what we can, uh, whatever, our, whatever that is, whether it be with a vote or whether it be with, uh, against those kinds of wars that, 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 can be, that can be just so, so horrible and so forth. And obviously, you can get into a whole thing. Is there such a thing as a righteous war and an unrighteous war? Well, I, I think there is, and certainly there's, there's a lot of arguments that could be made for, for both sides of that, and I don't really want to deal with that now. The point that I do want you to see is when we talk about peace, world peace is a pipe dream. Doesn't mean we shouldn't try to have peace, 
Um, let me give you one little proverb. It's a Chinese proverb that I like. And I, I hope I have this for you in PowerPoint. Here it is, yeah. If there is light in the soul, there will be beauty in the person. If there's beauty in the person, there will be harmony in the house. If there's harmony in the house, there will be order in the nation. If there's order in the nation, there will be peace in the world. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Good proverb, isn't it? It comes right back down to here. It's like the other quote, let there be peace on earth and Lord, let it begin with me. So that's the first thing. World peace is, is an illusion. Number two, seeking personal peace is a personal choice. Okay? Seeking personal peace is a personal choice. Let me give you a quote from Emerson that I like a lot. Nothing can bring you peace but yourself. Now, I want you to be careful with that quote because I believe what Emerson was, was talking about was a choice that we can make. Can I bring peace to myself? No, I think the only time we can really have personal peace, it must come from God. But I have to make a decision that I'm going to pursue that, that I'm going to seek that. I think Jesus made that clear in Matthew. Listen to this. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. It's Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. In other words, even... Even Jesus says, listen, you're going to have peace. It's going to come from God if you're going to have it, but you have to make that choice. You have to make the choice to say, I am going to pursue this, whatever that might mean to you. You have to take the initiative. While only God uh, can give us inner peace, we have to pursue Him. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. Um, By the way, this is also true in relationships with people. Um, It doesn't just happen. And if we wait for it just to happen with that person who we're having conflict with, if we wait for peace just to come between us, uh, me and them, you know, whoever, he and I, is that right? Tell me my English here. He and I, okay, I'm asking the high school kids. They should know, right? That's not right. You guys lied to me. How do you do such a thing? Uh, anyway, you, you get the point. If I wait for that other person to make the first move, it may not happen. It just may not happen. Um, seeking personal peace is a personal choice. I'm going to come back to that. Third thing, third thought. God wants you to seek peace with others. God wants you to seek peace with others. I know that because the Bible tells me that. One of my, one of, a verse that just, I think of many, many times when I'm in the midst of conflict with a person. It comes from Romans chapter 12. Let me, I've read this before. Let me just show you this because it's just such a great verse. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Aren't you glad he put that, if possible? Aren't you glad he put that phrase, so far as it depends on you. And you know what? Only you can make that determination and you can, you can do whatever you have to do and what you, what you need to do in that particular line of work. God wants you to be at peace with others. And He says, if possible, so far as it depends on you. Now, there are going to be people in this world, you probably don't need me to tell you this, 
But there are going to be people in this world, some cases people who might be family, some cases close friends or former close friends, who are not going to want to be at peace. And they're going to want to live in conflict, just like there are people today in the world who want to live like that in terms of war. You know, I just was talking to my, uh, when I uh, have, haven't recently, not in the last couple of years, but I'd, I'd made several trips to Russia um, in years past, working with some, some, uh, an orf- a couple of some orphanages over there, which is great stuff, and you've heard me talk about that before. But uh, just uh, a couple of weeks ago, my translator happened to be coming through the city, so we stopped, Charlie and I met her and, and had lunch in the city, and we were talking about that, and um, she'd lost a close friend and some of the, the Chechnya um, a terrorist. And, and Chechnya, I don't know if you know much about that. They're southern Russia, and it's just it's a horrible, horrible story of just terrorism on top of terrorism. And they've lived that way for generations. And she was telling us how some of the people, the, 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 the little kids, all they know how to play, get this, all they know how to play is war. Because that's all they've ever known. People live like that. Well, some of us may or may not relate to that, but in another sense, in terms of our lives, there are people who live like that in conflict. I'm not minimizing what's happening there because it's a horrible thing. But there are people who live like that in their lives with people or certain people totally in conflict all the time. God never intended you to live that way. And he says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, let me, let me kind of do a little expansion of that. Keep revisiting it. Keep trying to seek peace. Maybe it's a phone call. Maybe it's an email. Maybe it's something else. I don't know. But keep seeking it. Might it be met with silence? It might. Or something worse? It might. But that, that's not your deal. That's not, that's not for you to worry about. God says, hey, inspired in the Bible to say, if possible, so far as it depends on you, you do what you can. Some people will never respond. They're going to have to deal with that. I'm not. One of the questions I ask is this. Um, it's an interesting thought, and that is that when you, if it's easier to live at peace than be in conflict, why do so many people choose to live and stay in conflict? Because now think about that. There are a lot of people, it's work. And an old friend of mine used to say that. He says, you know, I hate that because it's just work carrying that stuff around with you all the time. And it is. But why do people choose to live that way? Why do people choose to live at odds with a family member or a close friend and, and just constantly feed that fire? Why do they choose to do that? There's a lot of answers. I don't know that I have them all. Uh, but sometimes, sometimes it might be comfortable for them in a, in a very sick way. Isn't it amazing? We get in our own comfort zone sometimes. Sometimes, they're, sometimes they become so ridiculously sick, but it's comfortable for us to be at odds with that person. You know, we call that dysfunction, by the way. They did a, uh, they did a, I read a thing some time ago, they did a whole thing on this, this whole, uh, the whole Hatfield and McCoy feud that we have read about or seen on television or movies and read about in books. It almost has become legendary now, it was started in the South, and somebody did some surveys on that and, t- and looking up the descendants and so forth, of the whole Hatfield-McCoy feud, because that was this, this famous feud that took place here in the southern part of our country for years and years and years. And uh, they started asking people, why, why do you feud with the McCoys? Why do you feud with the Hatfields? And uh, just two or three generations down, the, the, the grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren were saying, because we always have. 
<laughs> because we always have. You know, some people live like that. Well, that's just the way it is. Seek to change it. Seek to change it. I don't care who it is. Seek to change it. It may not work. That's not the issue. You know, God never intended his people to live that way. You know, it's even worse from my perspective. Oftentimes, you see this in churches. Oh, it's really a screwed up situation, man. You see this in churches where people just, you know, they kind of show up to, to fuss at each other. I've seen just a little bit of that. And it's just like, this is really stupid, man. I mean, it's just, it's amazing how that works. God wants you to be at peace with others. wants you to seek peace with others. That's the uh, third thought. Fourth thought. God wants you to be at peace with Him. This is the, the, you know what? The third one doesn't happen unless this happens. You're not going to be at peace with others um, until you really seek peace with God. Now, within, understand what I'm saying there. You can still have a, a, a degree of peace with others, but this kind of makes it all come together for you. I want to show you just a, a passage in Romans chapter 5. Um, and it goes like this, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because, watch this, because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of highest privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We have peace with God because of Christ Jesus. Now, this is difficult, and I want to be careful, and I've, I've, I've written this down, and I've kind of gone through it mentally, and I've gone through it verbally, because this is, this is something I really want you to understand, and I hope I can communicate it in a way that you're going to understand it. This is a huge issue. When we talk about being at peace with God, the question then comes up, if I'm going to be at peace with God, does that mean that I have to understand everything about God? Does that mean that I have to have all my questions answered and all my doubts met? And the answer to that question is not no. Excuse me, it's hell no. Okay? I mean, I, I, it's that strong. And anybody that says that, anybody that says, hey, you, to be at peace with God, you've got to have, you've got to have absolute certainty in this and absolute certainty in all this. Anybody that says that, either is not thinking or, or has an IQ in a single digits, one or the other. I'm not sure which. Because that's just not the way it is. Even Luther, Martin Luther, I'm familiar with this quote. I just learned that he had said it. Even Luther said something to this effect, which was, God, I believe. Now help me with my doubts. Even Luther said that. My point is this, folks, and, and I know some folks here, uh, I know a, a few uh, individually that I've talked with that, that have struggled with certain questions, certain doubts. I know there's a lot more than, than people that I some, I, some of you I don't know. You might have some questions. You might have some doubts. You know, that's okay. That's okay. Can I still trust God? Yes, you can. Does that mean that all my questions are going to be answered? You know, I think you've got to be intellectually honest with this. And you've got to be spiritually honest before God with this. Because, no. No. Do I? Let me tell you, if, if, you're, 
Let me just help you with this. For, for those of you who may, especially for those of you who may be checking this out as a church, if you're looking for a church where a pastor has all the answers and never has any questions or never has any doubts about anything as it relates to the Bible or God, this isn't the place for you, okay? This is not the place for you. Because I have all kinds of questions and I have all kinds of doubts. And, and you know what's worse? The longer I live, the more I have. Because, I mean, you should have met me when I got out of school, man. I had my, my, my theology degree. Man, I was, I was awesome. I was great. I had it down, baby. I mean, I had the answers. And I didn't mind telling you. I'd give them to you. And if you had any doubts, I had some words for you. Boy, man, those were good days. Thank God my wife stayed with me. I mean, gee whiz. Oh, and my kids didn't turn out. Man, they turned out pretty good, actually. I don't know why. Good mother, I guess. But, um, um, but seriously, folks. Trust God. Does that mean I understand everything about everything? No. Does that mean I may not have some questions about certain key tenets of the faith? You may have some. But when we come to Christ, and and here's the issue. I believe, in my understanding of what God teaches us, He says, come to me. You're beat up. You got all kinds of crap in your life. Come to me. You've done some really nasty stuff and you got some good. Come to me. You have some intellectual questions? Come to me, just as you are. Last week, last month, it's happening again this week, I, I go to this thing that, just started going to this thing I really, really enjoy. It's called Socrates in the City. And it's, uh, it's it, the, the subtitle is discussions, discussions in the Examined Life. And we have it in our, in our program for you. Just, it's in the city about once a month. And they basically take a little different twist on the, on the things of, of the faith. And, um, and last month they had a, a speaker by the name of Sir John Polkinghorne, who is from, let me think, where was C.S. He, C.S. Lewis was Oxford, right? What's the other one? Cambridge? Is that, is that, is that Yeah. I'm, I got them mixed up, and you don't do that, you know, because those guys over there, I mean, you know, they, they think the Ivies are junior college. You know how they are. I mean, it's just, they're, just, they're so snotty. But anyway, um, anyway, I was talking to him about it. But, but here's a guy that, that's a physicist, and he's won the Templeton Award, which is equivalent to, to the Nobel Peace Prize of religion, if I could put it in, that, in those terms. Just brilliant. And he was talking, and I had no clue what the heck he was saying. I was taking notes, but I have no clue. I mean, he was talking physics and light years and equations and all kinds of stuff. And I'm looking to Charlene, and she's like, uh, I don't know. Anyway, and I kind of look to her whenever there's an intellectual talking because I'm thinking she can help me. But, um, but it was really some good stuff. And here's what he can. Some of you, so this is going to kick against some of you. That's okay. You need to be kicked against. He takes an evolutionary viewpoint toward the Scriptures. He believes in God. He's trusting Christ. But he believes in evolution. Now, some people would say, you can't do that. And I would like to see them, you know, because he had a couple of questions about that. And you know what he said? This is a guy that's got 400 PhDs and whatever else he's got. And somebody asked him about that. And they said, they said uh, you know, what about this? And they were talking about the day age. They were talking a little bit about theistic evolution. If you know what that is, some things like that. And here's what he said. He said, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I love that. I don't know. <laughs> that's okay. So my point is this. When we come to Christ, doesn't mean we have to have it all together. Because I don't know anybody that does. I know some people who think they do, but, you know, they're going to find out sooner or later. They don't. And that's the point here. We can have peace with God without having all the answers. 
It's coming to Christ. It's coming to God just with what we can't. Here I am, God. I don't, I'm trusting you. I do believe Jesus lived, and I do believe he, he died in my place for my sins, and I don't understand that totally. I do believe he lives, and I'm not sure I understand that. But I, what I do, I just want to give my life to you. You can do that. I think that's kind of cool. It's really cool for those of us who know we don't have it all together, intellectually or any other way. The last thought I want to leave you with is this. It's a simple thing. Peace is an inside job, okay? It's an inside job. It comes in relationship with God. Let me read this. I have it for you in Philippians chapter 4, and just follow along. I think we have it on PowerPoint for you, and it's just real simple. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank Him for all He has done. If you do this, you will experience God's peace. Notice he doesn't say, and if you understand everything, and if you got it all, this, you'll experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Peace is an inside job. It only comes in relationship with God. And I want to close with this one last thought, and it comes from a great Roman thinker and, and philosopher and I quote him often, and I've used this quote before from Seneca, and uh, it's a great quote. Let me show it to you. If you see a man unterrified in the midst of dangers, untouched by desires, happy in adversity, peaceful amid the storm, will you not say a divine power has descended upon this man? Peaceful amid the storm. Will you not say a divine power has descended upon this man? Let me tell you one last thing. When I was in Vail, had a guy that came all the time. Found out later he's from this area, not from Jersey, but from uh, New York, actually north of here. And um, found out he had a had a. Uh, some kind of a divinity degree from Harvard. And, uh, and at first I was a little intimidated by that because I didn't have the privilege of going to an Ivy League school. And, uh, and at first, I, we, and he, would, he would come and he would leave and every Sunday he would leave and he would say, I don't agree with anything you said, but I love being here. And this went on for, I mean, like a couple of years. And almost, not every, but almost every Sunday he'd come, hey, hey, I mean, love, love being here. Don't agree with some of the things you said. And sometimes I don't agree with some of the things you said. Sometimes it'd be with, I don't agree with anything you said. You know, it just depended on what he was. And um, so I said, you know what? I'm intimidated by this guy. And, and the only thing I know to do when I get intimidated by someone is just sit down with him and talk. You know, and usually you can find out some stuff. So I said, hey, why don't we get together? So he came by the office a few times. We started having regular discussions. He, he would stretch me a lot intellectually. And I hope I stretched him a lot in some other areas. But we were talking about just, just all kinds of theoretical things, the existence of God, the, the, the person of Jesus, the, the, the historical placement of Jesus, the, 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 the sacrificial death of Jesus, the atoning death, and, and uh, just some of the theological terms that he knew and that I know that we would, we would discuss with all that. And one time I was, I was really in a, just, I was in one of my really good moments, really seeking to prove to him the existence of, of God and, and the existence of what Jesus had done for us. And he said, everything 
within me wants to argue with you. He was an older guy. He'd lost his wife to cancer. And he said, everything within me wants to, wants to argue with you. But he said, and he said this with tears in his eyes. He said, yet when I look at the hardest times in my life, including when my wife went through cancer and died, I could only find myself saying, help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. That says it all. Let's pray. God, thank you that you're a big enough God that you don't accept us when we figure it out only, but you accept us for where we are with whatever questions, with whatever doubts, with whatever, whatever we bring. That you're a big enough God and you're a secure enough God that, that you'll love us anyway. <laughs> and you show us grace anyway, whether it be intellectual issues or whether it be moral issues or whether it be some other things. Thank you for Jesus who loved us and made possible for us to have peace with you as we as we trust you in whatever way we can, as we come and trust you, Jesus. Thank you for this time of the year. Gosh, it's great, Lord, to, to hear songs sung about the birth of Christ, your birth, and what that means to us. Literally, peace on earth in our hearts with whatever else we might bring as we have relationship with you. We thank you for that, and, and we thank you in all that you've done and all that you're doing. Just help us as we leave to think on these things and get these thoughts to kind of mull around, maybe talk to somebody about them and just be able to figure out a little more, maybe a little less, but to be in a little better place just to, to know what it means to just trust you with whatever, with whatever we have and whoever we are. And we thank you and pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.